All right. Go ahead and take a seat. And I'm going to call up Jane and Janice, and they're going to give us a mission minute, which we haven't done before, so we want to give you a little idea of what's uh, happening out in the world and how we're part of that. You can come on up and go for it. Thank you. Hello. So uh, there's been a few of us that have met over the last two or three months, uh, once a month, called the Unreached People's Team. and. That is something that is open to anybody who wants to join in on this. And what we've been doing is just really seeking the Lord, praying and saying, how can we OTC, uh, Walnut Creek, uh, the church here, be more involved in the global mission and to be more aware of what's going on out there because we are all brothers and sisters of a much bigger church, right? I met Bill and Cindy this morning who are brothers and sisters from Ohio, and they just come here because they want to be with family. And so we are part of something much bigger. And um, so we thought, uh, we've been praying, and one thing we, we wanted to do is just bring this mission minute um, uh, with the first uh, Sunday of the month. And we thought a good place to start as we were seeking on how do we get involved with unreached peoples is we have a missionary that we've been supporting, and that means you've been supporting if you contribute to the work here at OTC. You've been helping to support a man named Joshua who is in India, he is Indian, uh, and he is right in the midst of some of the most unreached people in the world. There are 20 major groups in India that are unreached. And um, so Wayne reached out to Joshua and uh, just said, how can we support you? And, um, and uh, we uh, got a re reply from him. He wrote, please pray for me. I've been teaching and preaching for over 20 years and my own wife won't attend meetings. So many years and so few people coming to Jesus. Yes, I'm discouraged. One of the people groups in India are the Masrati, and Joshua is actually married to uh, Jenny, who is Masrati, and uh, and and it's hard. It's a strain because um, she uh, is a professing Christian, but doesn't even want to talk about it. Can you imagine the discouragement uh, that he feels? Uh, can you imagine why would you even go on as a missionary with so little? obvious fruit uh, would it be a sign would you think god am i supposed to be in this do i go to a different type of job well if you knew joshua's story you'd understand uh, why he keeps going and struggles on with his mission to bring people to jesus listen to more of his story you see i was raised hindu for 25 years of my life i was a serious hindu and worshipped in the temple often three to four hours a day. I dedicated my life to the gods in the temple, but I felt something missing and hopeless in my life. I had a few Christian friends who tried to tell me about Jesus, but I became opposed to them. Didn't they know I was a devout Hindu since I am Indian? They soon stopped approaching me about this Jesus, but Jesus had something else in mind. One night, I had a dream. I saw the cross and Jesus on the cross. He looked at me with love in his eyes. And somehow, I knew 
He was on the cross because of me. Then he spoke to me, son, you are searching for the truth. I am the truth. With me, you will find rest for your soul. And then I pictured myself drowning in water up to my neck. Only my eyes were above water. I realized it was the sea of sin, of all the wrong things I've done in my life, and I needed help. I looked and saw no one, but I yelled. As I yelled for help, I felt a hand pulling me out, and it was Jesus. Somehow I knew I was clean. He had rescued me from my sin. I woke up weeping. All those years I served other gods, and not once did they appear to me nor speak to me. Then this Jesus, who was God himself, whom I never sought out, appears to me and speaks to me and calls me son. That night, I gave my life to Jesus. So we want to pray for Joshua and we want to pray for the Maserati people. And if there is a person or two out there that uh, feel the Holy Spirit moving you to m come up here and pray with Janice and I, come on up. There's a lot of people there that are in the kingdom of darkness, as Wayne's been talking about, and they need to be transferred into that same hope. They need to know Jesus. So we're going to pray for him. All right, pray with me. Lord Jesus, we lift up Joshua. Uh, we lift him up to you, Father. He is working hard and so discouraged. Uh, Father God, we know that. We understand that you could be discouraged in that situation. And we just ask, God, for your favor and your blessing on him, your refreshment. We ask, God, that the power of your Holy Spirit renews him again and touches his neck and touches his wife, Father God, that they could, they could have a new vision for you. And Lord, I, just as you woke uh, Joshua up in a dream, I pray, Lord, you will enter the hearts and minds of other people there, other Indian people there, Lord. Touch them and awaken them. Lord, I pray for your spirit to move today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And if anybody's interested in what we're doing with this group, come and talk to Janice or I. Nice. Well, thank you. And uh, being outside, it is a little, it is a little cold. Um, but one of the things I noticed is that when we were singing, I could look up and just see the sky. I uh, saw some birds flying. And uh, it reminded me of this next line, which is, um, how did God create all of this? Where, from where did all this come? What was the means by which he brought this into being? Yes. Well, let's go to the beginning. Genesis 1. 1-1. One, one. In the beginning, God created the heavens, everything out there, everything that you can see out there, and the earth. Now, at that time, the earth was formless, and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Dark, deep, waterly chaos. 
And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, ready to move. And then what did God do? He spoke. He spoke his word. And God said in that darkness, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then you follow this revelation about how this came into being. And we see that repeated phrase, and God said, and it was. And God said, and it happened. God said, let the sky teem with life. Let the waters teem with life. And it was. God speaks and creates. He speaks and he fills that form with life. God speaks his word, and it is. In Genesis 1.31, at the end of this creation account, this origin story, it says, and God saw all that he had made, and it was good, very good. God creates what is good through his word, by his word. God speaks. And then as you go on in the story, God keeps on speaking. God keeps on talking. We, we read that the Lord God spoke to Adam, gave him a command, gave him an instruction. From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, enjoy it. But from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, or you will certainly die. God speaks. God leads. God directs. Going a little further, the Lord God said to the woman, Eve. And then we see the Lord God said to Cain. And then we read, God said to Noah. And then the Lord said to Abraham. And then the Lord said to Jacob. The Lord said to Moses. And you see that repeated, repeated, repeated. God spoke a lot to Moses. And, and Moses captured it for us. He compiled Genesis through Deuteronomy. But it didn't stop with Moses. It went on. The Lord God spoke to Joshua, and then he spoke to Gideon, and then the Lord said to Samuel, and then the Lord said to David, and then the Lord said to Solomon, and to Elijah, and to Jehu, and to Gad. The Lord spoke to an angel. The Lord said to Isaiah, and then he spoke through Isaiah. The Lord God spoke to Ahaz, to Jeremiah, to Ezekiel, Hosea, to Amos. The Lord God spoke. The Lord God said. You'll see this phrase again and again and again. There's a revelation God is trying to give us there. What is it? Sum that up for me. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a lot more brief than what I just did. But yes, God speaks. God, the creator God, the one who was before all that is began, he speaks. He speaks. He's a talker. He calls people to himself. We see this in those, in those interactions. He calls people into relationship. We just heard about how he called Joshua into relationship. Our friend in India. God calls people by name. He knows people. He sees them. He sees suffering and he speaks into it. He commands. He corrects. God blesses. God curses. God makes covenants. Solemn commitments with people through his word. God makes promises. God speaks. 
You run through all 39 books of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and you see this again and again. God speaks. That's your first fill-in. It's basic. It's simple, but it's going to apply to us today. Throughout the Old Testament, the first 39 books, the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, Genesis through Malachi, we see that God speaks. God speaks. And then we move from Old Testament to New Testament, from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. There's a major transition. And what event in history triggered that transition? Come on now. Jesus, yes, Jesus. Listen to Hebrews 1, written by and written to Jews who know Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah. Listen to what is written here, Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. Looking back before Jesus came, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors, to the Hebrews, to the Jewish people, to Israel, through the prophets at many times in various ways. That's a good summary of the Old Testament. But in these last days, he has spoken, whom he appointed heir, inheritor of all things, and through whom, listen to that, through whom he also made the universe, the heavens, and the earth. God came in. God came in. John 1 writes about it. John, a follower of Jesus, reflecting on this, he writes in his gospel, John 1, 1, in the beginning, if you've never read John, what are you expecting to hear? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. But we don't read that. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God in the beginning. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him, through the Word of God, all things were made. And without Him, without the Word of God, nothing was made that has been made. In the beginning, God spoke. God said, God spoke his word, and there was light. And then it gets amazing. That's amazing. Then it gets amazing, amazing. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us down here. God, who is eternally Father, Son, Holy Spirit, when the time is fulfilled, when the time is right, God the Son took on human flesh. The eternal Word of God, Father, Word, Holy Spirit, took on human flesh, came into His creation that He had already created by His Word. The Word comes into His Word-created creation and dwells with us, His creation. We hear about it in a lot of different ways. God the Son took on human flesh, born among us. To us a child is born. To us a son is given. And he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. God with us. 
Let's fill it in. Let's build out what we heard so far. Throughout the Old Testament, we see that God speaks. But in these last days, God one-ups himself. God came into his creation. God comes into his creation. And then what did he do? God in the flesh, God the Son. What did he do? He spoke. He spoke and things happened. Good things happened. God spoke to people who were blind and they could see. God spoke to those who were lame and couldn't walk, disabled, and they could walk and leap. To those who couldn't hear, he spoke and they could hear. God spoke to the dead and they came back to life. Jesus spoke to the storm and made it calm. The word of God spoke the word of God and it was good. It was very good. Well, this gathered a crowd and then God would speak about the kingdom of God, this good place that he was building and forming. God called people into this. Jesus goes and he calls people into relationship with himself. He calls them by name. Matthew, come, follow me. Zacchaeus, come. I'm going over to your house. I'm going to invite you to follow me. Jesus speaks to Mary. You come follow me. Salome, you come follow me. Joanna, you come follow me. Philip, come follow me. To some he said, you sell everything and come follow me. To some he said, leave your nets and come follow me. Come out of your sin. Come out of those old ways and come follow me into life. God in the flesh, God with us, speaking, creating, making things good again. And he's still doing it today. This same word of God that was in the beginning spoke to you, called you by name, said, come, follow me. Out of death into life, out of darkness into light. He's still doing it. God spoke his word. To some of you, he said, come, you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your soul. Come. Let's fill this out. Throughout the Old Testament, we see that God speaks, but in these last days, God came into his creation, and he, the word of God, is still speaking to us today. All right. From where is he speaking today? From where can we locate this word of God? Burning bush? Gabriel around here? How is he speaking to us today? Where is the word of God who became flesh and made his dwelling among us? Where is he now? 
Yeah, after his death and resurrection, he ascended back to the right hand of the majesty in heaven. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Where is he today? He's there. Where can I hear the voice of God today? Where can I hear him speak? I like it. All right. All right, let me take you on a little detour first, though, just for fun. Now, if you went into the tabernacle, the temple, when it was standing, uh, what did you see? If you went inside? Trick question, though, because you couldn't go in, right? Yeah. Not just Preston. None of us could have gone in, right? We couldn't go in because God is holy and we are not. But let's say that by some sacrifice... Uh, you were made holy. And then you could go in. You go in that first room. There's, there's two layers. You go in that first room. There's the lamp, the table of bread, or the presence, the altar of incense. You go in. But then there's another room. There's another curtain. You go behind that, and you will see the Ark of the Covenant. Right? These cherubim, it's gold. What's inside the Ark? The tablets. What, what's on the tablets? God's word. God's word. Isn't that, isn't that wild? God's word is there. The words of God. Where's the temple now? I'm looking at it. Where's the word of God now? In the temple, in you, by his spirit. Where's the word of God? From where does he speak now? You are in Christ, and Christ is? Yes. In you, in me. The word of God inside. He speaks from inside. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his people who have God inside. Now the important question. That was interesting. The important question, are you listening? Am I listening to the word of God who creates what is good? On Friday this week, I hit a roadblock with this message. I got stuck. And so um, I was working from home, so I... Idea comes to mind, go on a walk. Go walk. So I go and I walk, and I'm walking toward this nearby park. I'm thinking about God. I'm thinking about God. And an idea comes to mind. Stop thinking about God and start talking to God. Stop thinking about God and start talking to God. Hey, that's an interesting idea. I'm walking. God with us. So now I realize on this walk that I'm walking and talking to God. He's with me. He's inside me. He's above me. He's beside me. He's before me. And as I'm walking with God, talking to him, being mindful, practicing his presence, being aware of him, 
I start thinking about this question. This question comes to mind. In hindsight, God's speaking to me. I keep saying this idea comes to mind. The question is, am I your Lord or am I your friend? I wasn't thinking about that. Am I your Lord or am I your friend? Is, is, he, is Jesus my Lord or my friend? It's one of those tricky questions, right? Yes, yes, yes. And I, I think of things that he has said. I know that Jesus is Lord of Lords, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I know, I've heard somewhere, that Jesus is my friend. Okay? Now, the skeptic, the cynic, or the, you know, the careful one is like, wait, how do I know this is, is this God speaking? How do I know this is God? Right? How can I know if this is actually God's word, if this is actually true? Well, we also have God's written word. He's covered that. God has spoken, right? Revelation 19. I was reminded of this passage. This was later when I got back. It says, I saw God gave John a vision. He spoke to him through a vision. And this is the vision. He writes about it. Revelation 19, 11, I saw heaven standing open. And this is a vision of Jesus' future return. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. Give you ahead, verse 13. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is the Word of God, Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm walking talking to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, how about friend? Is he my friend? I think so, but I should confirm this, right? So John 15, 14 comes to mind. Jesus said to his disciples, those who are in him and with him and attach themselves to him, Jesus says to them, you are my friends. You are my friends. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, says, you are my friends. The Word of God, who is in the beginning, who became flesh, says, you are my friend. And then he says something that, if any other friend said it, and I bet nobody said this in the mixer question, you do what I command. Jesus is your friend, my friend, and he is King of kings and Lord of lords, God most high, the one who calls us to obedience, to submit to his good rule and reign for your good, for my good. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is your friend. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is Lord. Is he your Lord? Is he, 
He's some people's Lord, some people know. People don't want his lordship. He lets us decide. And then I was reminded of Hebrews 2, which goes a little bit deeper than friendship. Hebrews 2.11. The one who makes people holy, the one who made you holy, that's Jesus, and those who are made holy, all those who said, yes, Lord, I need your sacrifice for my sins. Thank you, Lord. The one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed. Listen, Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother or his sister. He's your friend. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's your brother. This gets me excited as I'm walking, as I'm thinking about this, as I'm thinking about it coming out of that walk, and as I'm standing here today. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Word of God who is in the beginning is my friend, is your friend, is my brother. God Most High. And that makes me want to walk with Him, commune with Him, talk to Him, stop and listen to Him. Do life with him. And then these verses started to make more sense than me. I, maybe you've heard these verses before. They, they seem like a reach to me. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, Pray without ceasing. I'm like, how am I going to do that? Another one that is somewhat related, Philippians 1.20. For me, Paul says, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. And then Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. See, there's an invitation here by the word of God to walk with you, to do life with you. To live in ongoing communion with you. For you to be one with him as he is one with the Father. And the Father is one with him. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. You see, God in the flesh came to call you into that eternal communion of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And to live in that, not just once in a while, not just on Sundays or you know, praying before dinner, whatever you do, but in an ongoing way. I feel like I'm just scratching the surface on that. I try to stay in touch with Jesus. I know some people who just, Jesus is just kind of an add-on. Like he's, a, he's an attachment to their life. God's calling us into way more than that. God is calling us into to ongoing communion, to do life with him. He wants to lead us out of the things that destroy us, that kill us, that harm us, that just ensnare us. He wants to lead us into fullness of life. He wants us 
this next fill and to do life with him, to do life with Jesus, to walk with him, to walk in the spirit. Now, as you do that, as I do that, we got to remember to test this stuff because we can get off pretty quickly, pretty easily. People get weird. So again, back to that question, how do you know it's Jesus speaking? Well, we got a great example of how to know from uh, the Bereans, the Bereans, okay? You may remember the Bereans. There's a school over here, the Berean Eagles, but different group. Um, okay, Acts 17, we're going to go there. Paul and his team went to this town called Berea, and they went into the synagogue, because they know the Jewish scriptures, you know, they're, they're waiting for the Messiah. He goes in there, and he gives them the message about Jesus, the Messiah. And when they heard this teaching, they're like, sounds good, but we're going to test it. Watch how they did this. Acts 17, verse 11. Now, the Berean Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. In Thessalonica, they didn't even look into it. They just uh, drove them out of town. The Berean Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness, all right, great excitement, and, here it is, examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And as a result, many of them believed. The test, it's the last fill in, is it consistent, what you're hearing, what you're sensing God say to you, is it consistent with what God has spoken? Which means what? You need to know what God has spoken. We need to go to the word of God and let him speak through the word of God so that we know the word of God. We need to spend time with Jesus, with the word of God in his word. Spend time with Jesus in his word. Let him speak. And uh, Sarah uh, Lefko Park told me about this recently, just about how reading the Bible shifted for her recently, maybe a couple years ago. And uh, this is what she said. She said, another difference for me, the difference for me was when I started asking God beforehand, before reading the Bible, beforehand to help me understand, to give me knowledge, wisdom, not for the sake of knowledge, but to know him better. Go to the Word of God, not like you would um, a textbook or a novel. Go prayerfully. Go expecting to hear the Word of God speak to you. And it changed things for her. Ask, seek, knock. He will give you the good gift of himself. I became so hungry to know him deeper and firsthand that it became a priority, a priority to me to wholeheartedly dig in. That's when Bible reading can become fun. So here's a place to start. Maybe you've been out of the word of God for a while, the written word of God. It's been hard for you. Here's some places to start. Start not at Genesis. Don't start at Leviticus. Don't start with Job. Go straight to 
the words of Jesus. He'll lead you into those other things. All those other things point to him. But if you're just getting started or it's been a while, you want to restart, go to Matthew 5 through 7, 13, 18. Here's a list of it. Luke 15 through 20, John 3 through 6, etc. Get into the word of God spoken by the word of God. Here's the, here's the way to do it. Pray. Pray first. Read a short section. All right? Take your time. Record what he's saying to you. Write it down. Capture what the word of God is saying to you. And repeat. Sometimes you do it, it's going to be rich and wow, that was great. Sometimes it's going to be eh. Keep at it. Keep at it. This is how you will know the word of God. And then when you're walking with him on the path, when you're in a meeting and you're, you know Jesus is with you, you're talking to him there, when you're driving in the car, you'll recognize the voice of Jesus. Let's stand and pray together. Thank you, God, for speaking. That's an understatement, Lord. Thank you for speaking and creating. Thank you that we are alive because of your word. It all originated from your word. It's sustained by your word, Lord God. And God, we ask that you would help us have ears to hear when you speak to us and not push your voice out, but to draw close as well. Lord, this week we ask that you would call us and that we would follow you into your word, Lord, that we would hear you speak to us, Jesus. Time in your written word, time through our day, Help us draw close to you. Thank you, God, that you're always speaking. Help us pay attention. And help us not just hear your word, Lord, but to do it and be transformed, to be made new, Lord God, and see your good come of it, God. Thank you for this time. Amen.